0: Well, what's up, everyone? How are y'all doing today? Y'all doing good? Everybody got power at home yet? Got electricity? Not everybody, I guess. We'll be praying for you. Hey, South Campus, let's just take a moment and welcome in those at North Campus, online, maybe at the Vacation Campus. Come on, let's give them a warm welcome. We love you guys. And if you're new here, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Brad. I'm part of the team here at the South Campus. I have an honor of serving serving with Pastor Chuck on the pastoral team. And my wife and I, Cassie and I, we will be married this October 10 years. So can you all just give us a little round of applause? 10 years. It seems like yesterday we got married, and now we have three kids, Grace, Owen, and Eden. And they uh, keep us on our toes. Uh, We find ourselves playing zone defense. I don't know if you know anything about zone defense. When you get more than two kids, you have to switch from man uh, one-on-one, man-on-man to zone defense. And so anyway, speaking of, um, speaking of kids, I, I don't know if any fathers out there have girls like I do. I'm a girl dad, and I also have a son, praise God. <laughs> but my girls love to dress up like princesses. And there's a video that's about to play behind me. It's just a picture of what it looks like to be a girl dad. You might find yourself dancing, being the prince. They're the princess. And here recently, yeah, and here recently, Grace, our oldest daughter, I heard her talking about her future wedding day the other day. Can you believe that? I don't, I don't like to talk about such things because... <laughs> I, I, I don't want to think about that, okay? And speaking of wedding, Jesus uses a wedding in a parable, and I want to read that parable with you guys today. And he starts in Matthew 22, verses 1. If you want to go ahead and open your Bible up to Matthew 22, we are going to read the parable of the wedding feast that Jesus gives right after he goes into the temple and flips sable, okay? He flips tables in the temple, things are already tense. And he shares this wedding feast with Jewish leaders and and people who would have been in the temple. And I love this parable. I've been just sitting on this parable for several months now. And I love what Jesus teaches us through it. And so let's start in verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son." and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Verse 4. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. And so we see here this wedding feast, this invitation is, is an example of the invitation To knowing Jesus, his gospel, his good news, going to the Jew first. And later, as we read on, we'll see how it also comes to the Gentiles, praise God. But let's move on to verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. I think that's a good representation of no matter where you live, whether you live in the country or whether you live in the city, you can always find an excuse not to show up. Amen? You can always justify and find a reason not to attend. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to show us here. Verse 6. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. Wow. That escalated quickly. You know, they some of them kind of you know, suddenly rejected the invitation, but others killed them. You know, that's that's persecution. We see old Testament prophets being persecuted. We see John the Baptist, he gets persecuted. We see Jesus and his disciples are persecuted. Even today, every six minutes, someone is martyred for the sake of the gospel. In the last decade, around 900,000 people have been martyred for Jesus. So just let that sink in for a moment. And so let's now let's read on about how the king deals with these persecutors, okay? Verse seven, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. And so I think it's interesting that Jesus said these words 40 years before Jerusalem was burned up and destroyed. And many would say this was a foreshadowing of the event that happened in 70 AD, around 70 AD where Jerusalem was destroyed. And we see the judgment of the king on these people who murdered his messengers, who murdered those who were inviting people to this wedding feast. But the reality is we all deserve judgment. Amen? That's the reality. We all deserve judgment, and we all need Jesus and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. I love Romans 3, 22 through 24. It says, the righteousness is given through faith Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. How many are thankful for the grace of God today? Amen. Praise God. And His kingdom comes to all who believe in Jesus, to the Jew first Then also to the Gentiles. We're the Gentiles. I think all of us in here are Gentiles. Maybe some of you are Jewish. But as we read on, we see this modeled in the parable before us, verses 8 through 10. Jesus said, Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Talking about the Jews. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads, and gathered all who they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. I don't know about you guys, but we serve a king who wants his wedding all filled with guests. Amen? And this is a beautiful picture of the heart of our Father, our Heavenly Father. And the first point I want us to, to focus on today, the first point I want to make is that all are invited, not some, not a few, everyone. They, they went into the highways and the byways. They gathered the good and the bad so that his wedding hall could be filled. So we see that the invitations to the wedding go out to all, both good and bad, Jews and Gentiles. All are invited, but not all respond. And when before my wife and I got married, before our wedding day, you know, we, we spent hours upon hours upon hours creating these wedding invitations, sealing them with wax. Y'all know how the old-fashioned envelopes are sealed with wax? We did that whole thing. And man, it took, golly, it took forever. And we sent them out. And, and the main reason we sent them out so that we could get some RSVPs. We could get a head count of how much food to prepare you know, for everyone who came. But how many know not everyone RSVPs? And it is so frustrating, so frustrating. Because my wife and I didn't even get to eat on our wedding day. But it's okay, we love people and we were able to serve them. I don't know why anyone didn't even think to save us a plate or something. It was kind of ridiculous. (laughs) So in this parable, we see that all are invited, but not all respond. And that is sobering. And I want to say it like this. Your RSVP reflects your heart. Whether or not you respond to this invitation reflects your heart and your willingness to follow Jesus ultimately. And I love this. Jesus says in Revelation 3:20, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me." Amen. That is a picture of intimate fellowship with the lover of our soul. Amen. And he's knocking on the door of every heart. He, this invitation goes out to everyone; all are invited. And so we discover from this parable from Jesus that the king sends out his servants to do the inviting. And the second point I want to make is servants invite. How many would say, I'm a servant of Christ? Hey, servants do the inviting. Yeah? God sends his servants to invite and call all people to this wedding. With a show of hands, how many of you in here today, you can do it at North Campus as well, how many of you were invited to church? The reason you're here is because someone invited you. A lot of people. How many How many were engaged by someone about the message of Jesus, if you're sitting here today? Yeah? yeah? Someone engaged you with the message of Jesus? We can see how powerful and the beauty of God's servants engaging people. Because most of us sitting right here were engaged by someone. We were invited by someone. Amen? Yeah. And, and the thing I love about church, you know, we're in... gathering right now we're at church and this is just a dress rehearsal for the marriage feast jesus is talking about right here you know we are rehearsing eternity we are coming together as the bride coming together as the body and jesus is able to be intimate with this bride because we're gathering together amen and this is just a dress rehearsal but man i can't wait until we see the real thing it's going to be awesome there's going to be food (laughs) praise god there's going to be food and even at the beginning of the parable, I forgot to mention this, you know, the king says, I slaughtered my, my fattest calves, I've, I've slaughtered my oxen. I know that kind of sounds weird, but we just see it right here through this picture that God likes to do things big, okay? He doesn't do a little hors d'oeuvres and, you know, salad with, with sprinkled bacon on top. I mean, he does it big, okay? And so just get, get that divine romance, that big picture From the king of kings he likes to do things big amen and he wants people to be invited he wants everyone to be invited mark 16 15 jesus said to them go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone not just a few not just those on the highways but the highways and the byways everyone and this is the great commission and he, he goes on to say, uh, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And I heard this verse this morning for Pastor Chuck during our VIP rally, and I had to add it in. I was like, man, that was too good. John twelve twenty six. it's not in your notes, but Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. We're talking about servants invite. And I don't know about you. I love being here on a Sunday morning, worshiping, being in the presence of God. But throughout the week, when I engage the lost people, and I ask the Holy Spirit to uh, to tell me, God, what do you want me to say to this person right in front of me at the grocery store, or what do you want me to say to the the waiter at the Sonic, you know, drive-through? What do you want me to say? And just always saying in this moment of God? What do you want to speak? I, you know, what I discover? Jesus is there too. He's moving on the hearts. He's reaching the lost. And I just want to encourage you, no matter who you are, how you're wired, maybe, where are my extroverts at? Any, anybody extroverted in the house of God today? Woo! Yeah. Woo! yeah? Where are my introverts at? Just kidding, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you're here, you're totally fine with talking to complete strangers, okay? That's me. I, I, could, talk, I could walk up to anybody and just start a conversation. Uh, but I've discovered some people just, they don't really like that. And I understand. I understand. But we've taken teams to to hard to reach places, and I've noticed something. It was the introverts that had some of the craziest fruit reaching people. And I just want to encourage you: no matter who you are, whether you're extroverted, introverted, we're all supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're all supposed to be speak when He says speak, move when He says move. Amen. You know, maybe maybe you're here and just like, man, I. I'm not skilled with words, you know, and that's me. I don't think that I'm very skilled with words, but it's okay because I find so much comfort and encouragement from King David. In Psalm 71, 14 through 16, David says, but I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power, though I'm not skilled with words. See that? Though I'm not skilled with words, I will all day long proclaim your saving power. I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. Amen? Amen. So that's a good reminder for us. Whether you feel like you're skilled with words or not, you can proclaim his saving power all day long, no matter who is in front of you. Amen. Amen? Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Yeah. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Amen. Amen. You know, if you want beautiful feet, you don't have to go get a pedicure. Okay? <laughs> you can if you want. But if you just bring the good news, your feet will be beautiful. That's what scripture says. I know some of y'all need, need some help, all right, I, I've, seen, I've seen some of them feet. But how can the person at Sonic believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can the woman behind the cash register at Albertson know about Jesus if no one tells her about Jesus? You know, we got to remind ourselves that we're God's plan A in reaching the lost, bringing the gospel to the lost, inviting them to this awesome grand wedding feast. Amen. All right, let's wrap up the story from Jesus. I want you to brace yourself because if you haven't noticed the tension yet, it's about to get a little bit more tense, okay? Verse 11. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Everybody say, uh oh. Verse 12. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness, In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is kind of hard to understand. Did the king just have it out for this guy? Come on, man. You're going to cast a dude out because he had the wrong clothes on? Why? It kind of seems like the king's a jerk, doesn't it? Casting this guy out because he didn't have wedding garments. And he seems like a jerk if you don't understand or know the context of the story, the context of Jewish weddings, and the context of who Jesus is talking to in the temple in this moment when he was talking. So Jesus is in the temple. Again, this is right after he flips tables, okay? So it's already tense at the temple. Uh, He's talking to Jewish leaders, religious leaders, uh, people who would have been in the temple. Um, This is days before he dies on the cross. And so we're getting close to that, okay? And I don't know if you guys knew this, but I found this out last year that in ancient Jewish wedding culture, the bridegroom always provides wedding garments to every guest who comes to the wedding. And so... I think this guy was speechless, not because he couldn't find anything to wear. Maybe he was speechless because he was given wedding garments, but he didn't put them on. Or he slipped in the back door or something. Okay? It's one of those two. It doesn't say. But the bridegroom is, the king is like, hey, where are your wedding garments, friend? Like, you, if you would have come through the door, they would have given you wedding garments. How come you didn't put them on? Maybe he wanted to be there, wanted the food, wanted access, but only by his terms. Yeah. Verse fourteen, Jesus says, "Many are called, few are chosen." And what that means is, it doesn't mean many are called, few are called, or fewer. You know, it means many are invited; everyone's invited, but only a few actually choose to follow Jesus. If you start, if you study it out in the Greek, you'll see that meaning coming out of those words. Many are invited, many are called, but few actually choose to follow Jesus. Remember, we've got to remember who Jesus was talking to. He's talking to religious leaders who thought their Jewish social status got them to heaven or their righteous deeds would get them to the wedding feast. And Jesus is saying, no, nothing can get you to the wedding feast except the garment. The garment qualifies us. And the garment is Jesus. The garment is the righteousness of Jesus. When we give our life to Jesus, he then clothes us with his righteousness like a bride getting herself ready for the wedding. And I love Revelation 19, 7 through 8. It, it really just confirms all of this. The author John writes, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. He, he, he received a vision of the marriage feast, Supper of the Lamb. And he's writing about it. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And in parentheses it says, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. The thing about righteousness is it's not something we can earn. It's not something we can work for. It's not something our social status gives us. Righteousness is who we are The holiness is what we become. Righteousness is who we are. The holiness is what we become. We can only be righteous through the blood of Jesus. And holiness is the outward result of the righteousness through faith. If there is no fruit in our life, I wonder if we have actually responded wholeheartedly to following Jesus. Or, if you're not sharing the gospel, do you truly have it? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. If I'm not sharing the gospel, do I truly have the gospel? Do I truly know the good news of Jesus? And the fullness of the gospel is this. God working for us, God working in us, and God working through us. God working for us, that's justification through the blood of Jesus. That's his righteousness being given to us. Not that we worked for it, but he he gives it to us freely through his grace. And God working in us, that's the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And as you walk rightly with the Lord, and you get closer and closer to Him, He's renewing inside. And then God also works through us. That's sanctification through the Holy Spirit. Amen? So when when you respond to His invitation by going all in with Jesus and following Him, you're going to end up loving all people. You're going to end up serving people through humility. You're going to end up living a lifestyle of generosity. These are righteous acts that flow out of just being with Him. You're not not trying to work for God. You're working with God. You're not trying to do things for God. The, The doing flows from just being in His presence, being in right relationship with Him. You're going to end up living a lifestyle of obedience. You're going to end up preaching the gospel because the fullness of the gospel is that, that God works for us, He works in us, and He works through us. And God wants... To commission us to invite all, gather all, the good and the bad, to hear and be invited to this wedding feast. Amen? Amen. Last year, I, th- I believe it was last year, Grace, my oldest daughter, I, uh, Cassie wasn't home. I think I should, I, I must have been home with the kids. <laughs> so we wouldn't, leave, we wouldn't ever leave the kids at home alone. <laughs> um, But we were planning on going somewhere, me and the kids, and I went and took a shower and got ready, and I came out and I discovered Grace got herself ready, her little brother ready, and her little sister ready as well. And I was just so blown away by that, Uh, mainly because that's the only time she's ever done that, but uh, I think it serves as an awesome illustration of what our lives should look like. We should be helping other people get ready yeah? We should help other people get ready for this wedding we're talking about today. And and I just wanted to share that because she took responsibility not only for herself to get ready, but she took responsibility for those around her to get ready. And we were able to go to wherever we went. I can't remember what, maybe it was frozen yogurt or something. I don't know. But how many know Jesus is coming soon? He's going to return for his bride. Yeah? And my question to you is, are you ready for the wedding feast Jesus is speaking out, speaking about? Does the thought of Jesus coming scare you or excite you? And that'll help you kind of know what your RSVP status is. Are you helping others get ready as well? You know, Jesus, the bridegroom is coming and that should excite us. And if it doesn't, I'm going to lead you in prayer later because I want all of us to be excited about the coming of Jesus. There's this phrase that the disciples and apostles used to say. It means "Maranatha." It, it means the Lord's coming. Lord, come! It's it's hey, everyone, the Lord is coming, but I'm I can't wait for Him to come. He's coming, and and we should be excited. Your heavenly Father is inviting all to this wedding feast. His Son Jesus provides the wedding garments. I'm not talking about cheap linen garments. We're talking about the most valuable garments that money and good works can't buy. Amen? We are talking about the garments that Jesus gave his life to provide. The fullness of the gospel is this that Jesus works for you through his blood. He works in us. This is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And he works through you. This is sanctification. In other words, for God invites us, he woos us. He gives us the gift of righteousness as garments, the passageway to be grafted in with his pre-existing bride and purchased by the blood of his son Jesus Christ. And secondly, we RSVP to that invitation by watching and waiting for our bridegroom. My question to you is who are you in the story we read today? Maybe you're the friend who hasn't put on the wedding garments yet. You've been invited, but you haven't RSVP'd. If you're not sure that you're ready for his return, I want to give you that opportunity right now to respond to Jesus, whether you're online, whether you're on campus. If that's you, will you please raise your hand so that I know that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart so I can lead you in prayer. And if that's you, let's just pray together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus who is knocking on the door of my heart right now. And I say, come in, have your way in me. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus name, amen. Come on and celebrate those who gave their life to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you have RSVP. Maybe you say, hey, I'm all in with Jesus. But I haven't really been intentional about inviting others to this wedding feast. I've not really been on mission for Jesus. Guys, there are lost people all around us. They are lost and they are going to hell. And God wants us to be his plan A in reaching the lost and gathering all the good and the bad, inviting them to this grand wedding feast. Amen? And if you want to live a life that's on mission for Jesus, gathering as many as you can, If that's you, I just want you to stand right now. How about we just all stand as I pray for us today? God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a big God. We thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, that you like to do things big, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your great love for us and sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, living a life we should have lived and dying a death that we should have died. And we thank you, God, for this beautiful opportunity to be your plan a in reaching the lost for your kingdom for your gospel and so holy spirit i pray that you would stir a fire in each one of us god to walk and carry the good news to every single person we can come across in jesus name everybody said amen